Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. I'm Lynette Louise's story teacher host. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, we got a feisty show today. We're going to actually take on the authority figures in a bigger way than I did before. We're going to talk about CPS most directly, but I'm sure it'll go haywire. Um, we're going to talk with some advocates and moms. And um, I just want to get to it, but first let's, let's uh, remember that at the end of the show we have stories from the road. And just before that, okay? Okay, 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 the great guest giveaway with a twist today. All right. I, um, my goodness, when, when I was raising all my guys, I certainly had my share of issues with CPS. It, the very, very, very first time that I had to deal with that kind of attention where somebody comes in and calls into question, you're being a mom. After they left, I closed all the blinds and I brought all my kids into the living room, and I was afraid to have us leave. I didn't want to be observed. I felt like um, afraid of the world around me, afraid to step out into it, afraid to be exposed in it, because I knew we'd been misunderstood, and I didn't know how to make that misunderstanding clear up. I knew it was just going to continue and continue because my kids were not going to not be autistic the next day. So with that in mind, I wanted to introduce us to some people who are in the mix, midst of it. I've already gone through it and, and got to the other end. Um, so we are speaking with Mara from the East Coast. And as I have already told everybody, today I want to talk about some stuff that most people try to avoid talking about. So Mara's been kind enough to say, tell us that she'll dive into the waters with us and chat a little bit about issues with Child Protective Services. So, Mara, how did you end up with me? I, I put out a, a blast saying, I really want to talk about this particular format and ended up with, you know, connected to you. So what's your story? Well, I'm actually an educational advocate in uh, Virginia, and I'm part of a network of educational advocates who are also moms of special needs children, most of whom also uh, have autism. And um, so one of the other advocates put up a post saying that uh, she'd been contacted, I guess, by you uh, interested in doing a story on CPS complaints. And um, I have a lot of experience handling them, not just for our, our family, but also for other families as well. So. All right. So you want to dive into the story for your family or for someone else? Or what? Like when you oh, think in sure. terms of major complaints, what comes to mind? Well, you know, what's really interesting is any family that has a special needs kid, um, whether you have one or whether you have four, inevitably you're going to have a higher uh, CPS complaint history. Um, and I apologize, my voicemail 
thing was going off there, but uh, you're going to have a higher volume of CPS complaints lobbied against you just because of the fact that you have a special needs child. There are always people who are concerned, whether it be family members, friends, neighbors, or even just somebody you run across at a Walmart, um, that worry that your child's behavior is indicative of abuse, neglect, something along those lines, or um, as is the case with the first CPS complaint we ever got, uh, they notice a mark on your child that they think looks particularly strange, and instead of asking, automatically pick up the phone and dial uh, the national 800 number, and uh, from that point on, you're forever um, mired in this culture of Child Protective Services. Okay, so agreed. Certainly went through it myself. Um, tell us one story, yours or somebody else's, that's specific, sure. so that they can imagine what that's like. You know, it's really easy for for the listener, if they're not dealing with it, to um, to hear us talk about it. And if they don't have an actual picture, they don't have the same heart connection. And if you're going through it, it's really nice to know you're not alone. So. Let's, let's yeah, it definitely is. I think that was that was one of the things that really affected our family in the beginning. We really felt as though we had suddenly been singled out even further than we already were and that people didn't think we were doing things the right way and we were doing them the best that we knew how. Uh, we are a family with four biological special needs children. I have three sons who are all autistic and I have a daughter with genetic disabilities. And uh, the, our first instance, um, our first problem with CPS actually happened uh, when I was pregnant with my third son. My oldest son at the time was three, and his little brother was two. And uh, they were, I had one who was a verbal autistic and one who was a nonverbal autistic at that time. And my younger son, um, the two-year-old, had a long history of jumping over baby gates. Every child does it once they get to that point that they just don't want to be confined anymore. They figure out how to vault themselves over or climb over or whatever they need to do to get over top of a baby gate or out of a crib, and all of us deal with it. And um, my son actually had done it and had cross-hatched patterns from the baby gate across his back where he had scraped down as he was coming across the gate. And I didn't even think about it. It's just something that happened. We were treating it with a little antibiotic cream and stuff and had him outside on a particularly hot day in August playing in the front yard in the pool uh, and one of the little splash pools. And my next-door neighbor, who was a teacher for our local school system, saw it, and because she's a court-mandated reporter, picked up the phone and dialed the 800 number and called in a complaint, basically stating that my son had... Uh, these marks on his body that she didn't know where it came from and that it looked like abuse. So my first uh, interaction with CPS, um, I was seven months pregnant, uh, on bed rest, um, severely diabetic and uh, raising two boys who at that point had been diagnosed with autism and one who also had cerebral palsy and epilepsy. Uh, Basically looking at a CPS worker saying, you've been accused of abusing your children. And I panicked. And so, of course, the immediate thing is you open your door and you say, of course, come in. No, I'm not abusing them. Here, let me explain my entire life to you. And that's not always the best thing to do. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't know that. So I brought her in and I showed her my house and I showed her the kids. And 
She insisted on taking both boys out onto the front porch in their diapers. Uh, Neither were potty trained at the time. And she looked at my then three and two-year-old sons and actually said to them, if your mommy and daddy are hurting you, I can take you someplace safe. Which, of course, to a social worker probably doesn't sound terrible. But to a parent and to children, it is the most terrifying thing you could ever say. So my three-year-old's reaction was to push my two-year-old into a corner, block him with his body, and scream no at the top of his lungs. And ever since then, any time we have a CPS worker knock on our door, we go through weeks of nightmares about them being stolen from their beds. So it's a very terrifying proposition to have these people pop up on your doorstep and call into question everything that you've ever done as a parent. That particular scenario actually ended up being okay. Um, After she left, I actually called her supervisor and said, I can't believe they would say these things and learned a lot about the CPS system at that point. And they came back out and did another interview, closed the case and found it to be an unfounded complaint. However, there are a lot of cases where that isn't the case. And families that don't take the initiative and go that one step further to talk to a supervisor or to look into their legal rights do usually end up in a system that they really don't understand. Um, and it can, it can really, really become very stressful for families. Oh, that, you know, the understatement of the world. And I remember, I, I don't know if you went through this, but I kept circling in my head, okay, because my kids, uh, by the way, high five to the, the four special needs. I raised four special needs too. I adopted mine, and so I was caught in the circle thinking of, okay, if there wasn't a CPS, I wouldn't have my kids because my kids were taken away from these situations, and they were dire situations like being locked up. My one son was locked up in a closet for a couple of years, and I mean, oh there weren't questionable situations, but. If this this organization didn't exist, they wouldn't have found me, and yet then all of a sudden I was in the limelight because they were special and different, and like you say, they just do things different, and they, they call attention to you. And I kept asking myself, so what could they do differently? What could What could make it better so that we still have the protection that we want and the observational organization that we want? without it being so um, targeted and stressful feeling for families with special needs. And I thought what we needed was to educate a special division. But then I came across uh, the special division that was educated for the police here in California, and they didn't know anything. (laughs) Yes, and and honestly, I find that all the time. I do a lot of um, public speaking and seminars for first responders, um, teachers, educators, social workers who are not involved with CPS but are involved with things like Medicaid um, or with the waiver programs here in Virginia. And uh, it's, it's very common to find that everyone knows that there's a diagnosis called autism. No one has any idea what it is. Um, they just they have this picture in their mind of, you know, Dustin Hoffman playing Rain Man, and so that's mm-hmm. got to be what these kids are like, and it's not. Um, one of the, the most fun things that I've had to do is every CPS worker that has ever crossed my doorstep, and oh, I wish I could tell you it was only one, um, but we have gone right. through probably 250 unfounded complaints in the last 10 years. 
Everyone wants to pick up the phone. And some people do it out of concern, out of genuine concern, and that's understandable. Some people use CPS as a weapon. Yep. It is very often used when you have a, uh, in our case, we've had employees that are uh, employed through the waiver programs here in our state to come in and work with our children so that my husband and I can work. My husband was in the Navy for many years. And uh, they, they come in to work with us, and then if something goes wrong and we have to terminate them, it seems like almost immediately their first response is to call Child Protective Services. Oh my gosh, say, I did oh, the same family thing. I had a worker in my house, and she um, was babysitting, and she was supplied by the by the province. I was in Canada, and so I went out. I was only gone a couple hours. My son crawled into the balcony, and she couldn't get him out, and he'd never done that before. And they, she charged me <laughs> because yes. because while I was gone, she couldn't handle them. <laughs> Well, I always find it interesting because we have a service dog, and um, so the first complaint that anyone ever makes is that the service dog is not maintained and is defecating in the house and the children are playing in feces. And I always find it hysterical because every social worker that has ever come to knock on my door, the first comment out of their mouth is, oh my God, your house is immaculate. Yes, it is. We stay on top of our house probably more than most people. I would say in a given week when you spend 40 hours at work, we got 40 hours of cleaning going on at the same time. Um, And a lot of that is to maintain the the house to be safe for the children, of course. But a lot of it is also for show because we know at any given point in time they could show up on our doorstep. You really become mired in this culture of how to deal with CPS and what they're looking for and to make sure that, you know, not only is – there are no question of abuse or neglect surrounding your kids, but that when they come into the house, if there's anything they can help you find, and that's one thing a lot of parents don't know about CPS, if there are services that they can help you with, Child Protective Services will put them in place, and that does not always mean that they're looking to remove your kids. They're an exceptionally helpful entity while also being very terrifying at the same time. Well, I think it's awesome that you mentioned that because it's too easy for us to either paint something black or paint it white. And it's really about the situation. Um, So with that in mind, we are speaking with Mara from the East Coast. Don't forget to stay around because we're going to have stories from the road at the end of the show where we're going to pull it all together, although we're going to be full of stories all the way through. And, uh, of course, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. I want to ask you a question, Mara. Sure. Uh, this was a thought that I had all the time, so I want to throw it in your court. Because when I was going through this, I was, I was always asking myself, what the heck am I doing to draw this attention? And, uh, you know, this might sound inflated, but it got to my mind that possibly it's the people – in the neighborhood with only a couple of kids that are neurotypical or one with an issue and, and, you know, the rest are typical or whatever, trying to live uh, their regular life and have their regular problems. And we're kind of in their face keeping our house clean and having all these special kids. And it's almost, oh, gosh, I'm trying to be nice. I'm not going to be nice anymore. It's insulting to them that, that we can handle something that for them looks completely overwhelming. So they take their overwhelm and dump it into their imagined version of what's going on inside our houses. Does that make sense? I, yeah, actually, I, I, um, <laughs> I have another take on that as well because we had a neighbor. Uh, we lived in a house for over a year and a half, and at the time we were renting, 
and uh, the neighbor that lived directly across the street from us did not like children and did not like dogs. And so um, he actually accused us of bringing down his property value um, by having autistic children in the neighborhood. Oh, my and God. They put out yeah. petitions yeah. for us. They literally oh, yeah. got petitions. <laughs> they actually, he, what he did was he just started calling CPS. He was a nurse that worked night shift. And so he would call uh, CPS first thing in the morning when he got home, and he would report things that were blatantly false, that were ridiculous. Uh, at one point in time, my husband was actually deployed in Afghanistan, and um, he made a complaint stating that my husband was standing on the front uh, lawn with my, uh, at the time, six-year-old son, who would be the one that also has cerebral palsy and epilepsy, uh, and was whipping him with a belt in full public view. Um, and so... Of course, CPS came out and got a real good laugh at that one. Um, the uh, workers actually became so familiar with us because of all the complaints that that particular neighbor had called in um, that uh, they put a note on the file that if complaints were called in by this person, to call the mother first, don't keep driving by, we're driving her nuts. That's awesome. That's awesome. We just got a new guest. Hello. Thank you for calling in. Don't hang up, Mara. Um, oh, no problem. Uh, so, do you say your name, Colleen? Yes, Colleen. So, Colleen, Mara's been talking with us a little bit about some of her issues and the things that she's seen. So, you're jumping right into the, the middle of it, which could be a lot of fun. We are here talking to a couple of wonderful people now. It was started out with one, now it's two. And we're discussing some of the issues that come up with CPS. And just to catch you up, Colleen, we kind of covered, you know, the people uh, calling in. We're in the middle of talking about how sometimes the neighbors will call and call to try and uh, really, um, you know, antagonize or get you to move on because you've brought the property values down. And as outrageous as that seems to somebody who hasn't dealt with this, I've had that myself and Mara's talking about, you know, her having dealt with that and somebody actually saying that. At one point in my life, I remember um, property management. They started calling, neighbors started calling property management all the time because they had a pool in the backyard and it was double fenced and all these things. And um, he had to come out several times because my gate hinge had to be in the exact position. It was off by a quarter inch or some ridiculous thing. And I just burst into tears. I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can do my kids. I just can't do this attack. And he's like, we're trying. I only come out about every 50th call. I know you don't have any real reason, but I have to follow up on some of them or they think I'm negligent. I'll come out nice, I promise. And I just held on to this poor man and cried and cried and cried. So we're kind of in the middle of those kinds of stories. Can you jump in? I've never really had a problem with neighbors calling. It's always been in the public. If All right, so tell done, what do you no, mean by in the public? Um, well, my special needs son would have, you know, a meltdown and become violent, and I would have to restrain him, and it would be more of, you know, call the police, call CPS, she's abusing him. Okay, well, yeah, and I, I've dealt with that, too. Uh, we, we have a local Walmart here where we actually had a woman um, who ended up being terminated because she had called CPS so many times regarding my kids um, because I have, I have three boys that are autistic, and when you take them into a Walmart, it is an over stimulating massive sensory experience exactly. and you know my oldest can't handle the light or the sound my youngest 
and bounces off the walls and screeches at the top of his lungs. And my middle son literally will just be running up and down the aisles back and forth between me and whatever he sees. And um, so they would call in and say, this woman can't control her children. So is that similar to what would happen to you, Colleen? Um, well, not really. I mean, he would just be, he would get overwhelmed, as she was saying, with all the noise and the people and, you know, having to tell them no because they want everything and, and they have to have everything. It's life or death if they don't get a certain toy. And then, mm-hmm. you know, once he became violent, you would have to, you know, restrain or physically yank him out of the, out of the store. And sometimes you just had to sit in the parking lot and hold him down until he got through it. And there's people that have come up and threatened, to, you know, threatened me, threatened to spank him. I mean, call the police, call CPS. Because, um, you know, he's, cause he, of course, he's screaming, saying, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and he's, of, of course, yeah, he's beating on me. And, and <laughs> the public feel that we shouldn't take our kids in public if they're that way. Well, they deserve to have that experience, too. Um, yeah, and they won't, they won't get over it. They won't get to the place where they can handle it if they don't do it. So that and I would, to shut in. I would just like to say anybody that looks at us in Walmart and says, and, and this happens on a regular basis, mm-hmm. um, oh, that kid just needs better discipline. You just need to spank him, whatever. Exactly. Really, this is where, you know, some of these special needs things never get understood. There's a culture out there of people that really just would like to sweep our kids under the rug. And I think that's part of where these complaints come from. It is really their inability to process that these children exist and their inability to deal with the fact that they need help and services and, you know, that kind of thing. And so they just say, you know what, this isn't worth my time here. I'm, I'm going to call in and try to make this kid go away and make this parent never bring them into public again. Yeah, no. If they, I, if they were in a wheelchair, they'd be more understanding. If they were a dwarf child, they would be more understanding. But most mm-hmm. autistic children, at least with my son, with his brain damage and autism, he looks completely normal. So exactly. They can't see what's behind in his head that his brain, you know, the brain has been damaged and he cannot function normal because he looks normal. It got to the point we took in little business cards and wrote yep. on them, please do not stare, please do not make comments. My son cannot help his behavior. He's special needs and handed to yep. people because my daughters and would have a meltdown themselves being normal because of the rude, nasty comments that they got from the public. Yeah, oh, and, and I really have to laugh because we did the same thing. We have the cards, and we also put it all over our car. I have got proud parent of a child with autism. Autistic child may not respond to verbal commands. Literally plastered on every bumper sticker I could put on the side and on the back of my car. I've even got a hood magnet on there. It's not just CPS that doesn't understand. Law enforcement is just oh, yeah. as bad. They have no clue. You know, we've had them had to call the rescue squad to my house a few times, not being able to restrain my son any longer. And the deputies, oh, well, we have to come there first, and we have to talk to him. You know, and all this, you know, in school, they call the school resource officer in uniform to stand over him and intimidate him. They have no clue what goes on with special needs and how to, what goes on in the family, what we deal with. CPS wants to charge the parents with, you know, child abuse or child neglect when they're the ones being abused and being neglected. Um, by the children because of their disability. 
Right. Well, and, and I don't know if you guys deal with this issue, you know, where you are, but if you have an eloper uh, in our particular section of Virginia, if you have a child, and, and to define what an eloper is for those that might not know, um, an eloper is a child that literally will walk away from you, whether they mean to, whether they know what's going on, whether it's a fight or flight reflex, whether they're doing it out of fear, they will literally just take off. And I have two who are both elopers. And so anytime they decide they're going to wander, um, if someone does not have a hand on them, they can be gone in less than a second. And trying to explain that to police officers in this area is like trying to explain how you lost a child at a department store because you were looking at perfume. They literally think you were just neglecting your child. They don't realize how fast they can disappear. And so what we have really had to fight for here is a project called uh, Project Lifesaver, which are arm bands. My son has that. Yeah, and see, the, the trick is we have them here now, but they have to elope so many times before they'll put one on them. And oh, no. we'll oh, right. that's so funny. It's like we don't want to help you until the, it's that, that's the constant. Yeah, that's ridiculous yeah. because our county and state just spent thousands and thousands of dollars looking for one little girl for nine hours, and she was not even 100 feet behind her house. Yeah. And they had every, every county, every city, they had the helicopters, they had the airplanes, they had everything out. That is just ridiculous. Okay, but, but what's not ridiculous about that, let's, let's look at the other side for a second. So at least it's ridiculous that we end up in this place, but you can see the attempts because yeah. they will – have the helicopters out, and they will. We, we're great at responding in emergencies. We're like this in the medical field, too. We're great at emergency stuff. We suck at preparatory prevention um, and all of that. So how, okay, so here, here we are. We're three moms who have dealt with it, are dealing with it. Um, what would you clean? What would you do different? What would you want changed so that you're not constantly accosted every time your son has by the way you could tell them it's an anger seizure he's just having an anger seizure it'll be okay guys because <laughs> um, <clears throat> there is such a thing and um yep. you know that sounds more official so maybe it won't look like autism meltdown um but anyway so what would you what would you want done different colleen let's go with you first um well what i've done i'll say what i've done different is i've i come straight out and tell people i'm not embarrassed i'm not reprehensive of, of letting people know is every time he gets a new, new driver, a new aide, new school, whatever, I go and say, he's capable of this, this, and this. He may not do it. He may not jump out of your car when you're driving like he's done with yeah. me. He, you know, he, yeah. he may not throw stuff at your head, but you need to know that he's capable of doing this. And I want the doors locked ahead of time. Don't wait until he does jump out and then say, oh, by the way, we need to put the child lock on. People need to go ahead and start doing preventive measures, the same thing with the county. You ask for child Project Lifesaver, they come out and they put it on your child. They don't ask if and but nothing. You, you know, we have to pay for it. The city doesn't, but they will put that on your child if you request it. And that's where the services out there, they need to start preparing these people. Don't wait till something happens and then say, oh, my child, or oh, you know, what did I do wrong? Prevent anything that you think is possible. Ahead of time, yeah, and, so, and, you know, and, and you have little kids, you put the you put the plugs, you know, the lot the plugs in the electric outlets because they might put their finger in there. And I mean, it's hard for some parents when they're new with this to think of what can my kid possibly do. But once you do know, you need to share that information with other parents and with other people that deal with your child. 
Okay, now there is a downside to, to, you know, running around and making everything safe, and that is that you take away the learning for the child. So there's, you know, there's two ways to go with that. You either get somebody who's constantly teaching them and and have them shadowed, or you, you have to deal with safety, but sometimes just putting the preventative measures in prevents the child from going to the next step, which is not throwing the shoe at the driver's head. Yeah. You know, so, so it's a complicated, I guess, an hour. right, and the point is it's a complicated, complicated question, and what we are contending with is what the media has created as the idea of autism, which is kids who have a special talent, who are, oh, they're autistic, so they have some special talent, they're either really good at math, or they're really good at um, drawing, or they're very good at music, and they're, you know, they're a little bit challenged. Uh, they don't listen and they sit in a corner. This, well, you just you, defined high-functioning autistic. That's just one side of the spectrum, and I think that's one of the things that really comes, mm-hmm. you know, creates a problem is that the, the culture yeah. is that, you know, like I was saying earlier, they look at it and they say, oh, well, it's Rain Man. No, it's really not. There are kids who are profoundly autistic who have serious sensory issues that bombard them all day that never develop that, you know, gift or something that everyone else associates with high-functioning autism. And these are the kids that, you know... That don't get on the TV shows because they're not as interesting to watch. Exactly. You know, it's like at one point in time, our family was actually approached by Lifetime Television and asked to do, um, you know, this thing where they could come in with the cameras and basically watch all of our kids because... I like to say we have the best of all three worlds. We've got high-functioning, mid-functioning, and low-functioning. So you walk into our house and you see all three. Um, but we, it, the, the issue is when you're looking at a kid and you're saying, okay, well, the parents say that this child is autistic. Autism is such a broad spectrum. You have no idea what that child is capable of. So just like her, um, Colleen's child is, is very capable of, you know, having those physical, dramatic, you know, aggressive meltdowns. Um, my boys, on the other hand, I have two that are so terrified and so anxious that they would never assume to even be able to hit someone because yes, they yes. can't do that. Right, now, so you can't, exactly, they're not all the same. I'm, I'm going to try and crunch us because we're running out of time, and I, what okay. I want to do is I want to get us to a place where we're giving a gift. It's really important that we always give a gift. So what, when you think in terms of our listening audience, which is mostly um, moms and uh, some educators, but mostly parents, um, Mira, I want you to give a gift. And then, Colleen, I want one little personal story and a gift. So, Mara, you first. I think the big thing um, that I would say would probably help everyone in these situations is that, you know, the law enforcement, the CPS workers, anyone that works with kids, social workers, educators, aides in your home, therapists at the doctor's office, everyone needs to have that training, uh, that, that empathetic training that just says to them, hey, you know, when you're dealing with a person or a child, because it's not always just kids, who's autistic, you need to keep in mind these things. Even if it's just some little, you know, card that they carry with them that says, here's an appropriate way to respond to, you know, a child that may be having a meltdown or an adult that may have, you know, autism as well. And I think 
the more promotion that we have, I mean, saying autism awareness and, and putting bumper stickers on cars and donating to autism sticks is great. But when you're dealing with special needs kids, it's so much more than just, be aware of, be aware of, be aware of. Right. Be proactive, educating. Yeah. Exactly. Be, so, so, right, so be proactive. Don't be ashamed, moms and dads. Exactly. Okay? And don't hide in a closet. Don't ever be afraid to tell your story. Don't ever be afraid to um, make sure that people understand your kid. You are their only advocate. You are their best advocate, and you are their best chance to be as functional as they can be. Right, and if you're afraid, do it anyway. Okay, <laughs> all right, Mara, thank you so much. Kelleen, one quick story that exemplifies what you've dealt with and what would be the gift that you would offer to parents and professionals um, as a bit of advice. Stories, I have plenty over 12 years, but the one that sticks out in my mind, I would have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, um, in the park swinging with another, uh, another parent, and my son was running around and she looks at me and she says, and her child, and I'm going to get back, that her child is a dwarf child, has a trach, you know, can't talk, life expectancy is a lot shorter than my son. Um, and she looks at me and she goes, you have it worse than I do. And I kind of looked at her and said, really? You know, why would, why would you even say that? Your son has so many physical problems, you know, um, and so many challenges. And she looked at me and she said, because when people look at my child, they see his disability. When they look at your child, they think you're a bad parent. And that has always stuck with me because autistic children do look so normal that they, they look at the parent and think you're just, you know, not teaching your child properly, you're abusing your child, you're not taking care of them to where, you know, children in wheelchairs and other severe disabilities, they see that there's something wrong with the child. Um, and another mom could recognize it. And yes, and she could recognize that, and that has always stuck with me. I was thinking her life was worse than mine. I mean, having to clean the trach and, and feed them through tubes and, you know, do all this stuff has to be so much harder than what I dealt with. My child can tell me he loves me and, you know, talk to me and, and interact, and hers wasn't as lucky. Um, so it's, it's a hard thing to deal with when they do look so normal because people are very cruel um, and considerate. Um, and they don't see, and I guess my thing for CPS and law enforcement would be, it's a family thing. It's not just there's a special needs child. The pain and suffering that the whole family has to deal with. And a lot of the beautiful things that we've had to go through. We've learned a lot from having my son who's special needs. I'm a single mother of three. We've all learned to um, sacrifice, but at the same time, the love and being compassionate for others. I used to be one of those moms that said, you know, you need to smack that kid and get him under control. (laughs) (laughs) And we got our comeuppance. (laughs) Exactly. And now, you know, I've learned that through my son, that it's not not what it seems. I don't know why why that child or that parent or that person is behaving the way they are. You know, and there's your gift. We don't know. Don't assume you know. It's not for me to judge. I am not, you know, it's not for us to judge. We need to look beyond that, think outside the box, especially with these children. The families need support. These kids need support. They, just because they're autistic, they have the right to live and be happy, not where the school wants to shove them in a classroom, not where the school wants to say, well, you're not going to get educated. We're just going to push you on through. Each child deserves to have the same opportunities. All right, and parents and professionals out there, when you see something like some mom holding her child down just outside the store because he's screaming and spitting, I want you to go, can I help in some way? Not, 
oh God, oh God, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's what we're asking of you, that you actually say to the parents, what can I do for you right now? How can I make this situation better or back up and let her deal with it? Okay, guys, I'm sorry. We're out of time. We probably could have done this for hours. I so appreciate that you called in and put your voice to this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye, clean, bye, Mara. Okay, 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 okay. It is time for the great guest giveaway with a twist. Today, instead of my guest giving away, I want y'all to give away to my guest. I know it sounds weird, but let's see what's going on. This is Tara Labette, and Tara Labette was um, doing something I thought was really kind of special and unique, um, kind of going through the social networks and trying to see if she could get some help with, I'm going to let her tell you about it. Take it away, Tara. What's going on for you? Well, my son is going to turn eight on October 27th, and he has multiple diagnoses. He has autism, he has ADHD, he's bipolar, he has asthma, they're in the process of doing some testing for some immune deficiency, I'm actually waiting for the results on those testing right now, and I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm a single mom, I have very little family, and I have no financial help. We live off of SSI, which is not much. Now, before everybody out there starts thinking, oh, she's asking us to pay for her bills and stuff, it's way cooler than that. Okay, go ahead. What are you trying to get money for, hon? I want my son to have a good birthday. So it's not so much money, right? Is it it money or gifts you're hoping for? Um, Honestly, I have the page on Facebook. It's an event page, and it's called Michael's Birthday Wish. And I'm not really looking necessarily for money. Um, I have a wish list set up on Amazon.com, and I also have a link on my in my event page for um, the party supplies. I'm just looking for people that are willing to help with maybe purchasing the supplies and having them shipped to me, having sh- buying purchasing the things on Amazon and having them shipped to me. Um, if people want to donate money, there are a few things that Amazon doesn't carry that I will have to go into the store to purchase. You know, so I'm not necessarily asking for money. If people want to donate money, I'm happy to take it because it's going to cost me like uh, $150 out of pocket to cover things that Amazon doesn't have. Okay. But $150. Wait, wait, wait. Tara, $150 is not a lot of money. There are enough people out there. We should be able to get you your birthday party. What really made me wanted to um, chat with you about this is that on your plea or your, you know, your request and your event, you mentioned that you were trying to make him a nice cake and you didn't even have the money for the supplies for the cake. And everybody who deals with autism knows so often that the supplies are a little more expensive because we're looking at different kinds of ingredients occasionally. So is your son on a gluten-free, casein-free diet, or is any old bag of flour going to work? Tell us a little bit. Well, honestly, I would love to do gluten-free, but I can't afford it. I've looked at the stuff, and there's no way on my income that I could I've looked at several websites, and there's one that has a gift kit that has cake mixes and stuff, but they want $40 for the kit, and I, I, I can't afford that. Okay. But he's wanting a specialty cake. He's wanting 
he's into dinosaurs, and he's been telling me for months that he wants this volcano that's erupting on an <laughs> island with dinosaurs. <laughs> and I figured it would be better if I made it myself rather than trying to find somebody that can do what I want done. You know, do it myself because I can do that. I've, I've done cupcakes and stuff for him before. I did a birthday cake for my teenage daughter. I love doing it, and I want to do it myself. But the problem is, is the supplies for doing this aren't cheap. Okay. I mean, they're so, cheap Tara, individually, we but when you get them... <laughs> right. No, I get it, I get it, I get it. We all get it. Okay, so you need to tell us how, if anybody finds it in their heart to throw some stuff in a box and send it for Michael's birthday, where do they send it? They can send it to my address. It's 1323 18th Street in Lake Charles, Louisiana, 70601. And like I said, there's the event page. It's a public event. It's called Michael's Birthday Wish. Anybody that wants to can check it out. Join it. We're even asking, I have somebody from Australia that's sending him pictures and stuff of the area there. So even birthday cards and letters and pictures from kids from different places around the world is also welcome as well. We're well, that would be really cool, especially since this is a podcast and it's downloaded all over the world. Come on, guys. Just take a minute, throw something in an envelope or in a package. Let's make uh, Michael's birthday happy. We all have this situation in our lives at some point. I think we can use Michael's birthday as sort of, um, well, one of the things that I discovered along the way is that the way to feel as if people love you is to love. And the way to feel rich is to give. So come on, throw something in a parcel and mail it off. You can do it. All right. Well, I hope it works out. I hope we help. Um, and please let me know, okay, Tara? All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, guys, come on. So here, the point to, to putting a mom plea at the same time that we do mom venting was to sort of say, look, we have a choice here. We can stare at the problem and complain about it, which is step one, but maybe, or step two. But just sitting in that place doesn't really take us to any solutions. It's really important to reach in and help, reach in and help, reach in and help, make a difference. So with that in mind, it is time for Stories from the Road. All right, so today's story is sort of the um, bookend of the thing I said at the very beginning of the show which is the very first time that I dealt with CPS. It made me hide in my living room. And um, I just sort of knew that I was beginning on a journey that wasn't going to be pleasant. And I wanted us to be able to hide till they were grown up. So there we were. We're all in the, in the living room hiding, and the drapes are all closed. I'm like, kids, kids, stay in here, stay in here, you know, and putting on music and playing games. And they, they probably had one of the best mummy times of their life that day because they got all my focus all day long while I hid behind the drapes so that no neighbors would see us. So there we were. At that time, I had six. There were two that I had not yet adopted because, you know, I'm a sucker for punishment. And... Um, and something occurred to me 
in this living room prison that we were in playing games and chasing my one son because he's constantly trying to leave the living room, making sound effect noises, going as he ran. (laughs) And it occurred to me that something people asked me all the time was, why did you do this? Why did you adopt all these kids? And I never really had an answer. And I thought in that moment in the living room, well, I guess I'm always going to have this problem because I've always had this problem because I'm different too. I'm going to stand out because I've always stood out. And I, I mention this, I tell this story and this moment, this epiphany moment because it gave me a kind of calm about this, this whole storm which eventually got so out of hand. <coughs> It helped me to realize that, in fact, with or without my kids, I could stop blaming the autism. In fact, I did sort of draw attention anyhow. And in the homes I go into, most of the time, whether you like to hear this or not, parents, if your kids are autistic, you're probably a little weird too. No offense, but there is a genetic component, and most of the time, everybody in the house is a bit off. So maybe you're going to draw the attention anyway. Let's just get comfortable with it and find a way to speak out and not be ashamed. So I opened up my drapes and thought, okay, world, fine. We're different. Bring it on. And they did, by the way. And they brought it on and they brought it on. But we survived because I had the attitude of they don't know. We are different. I must tell. I must educate. I must show. I must explain. Or I must go and live in the middle of the country <laughs> on a lot of acreage and hide out. And that works too. Um, <laughs> you sort of have to go back and forth. But try to hold that memory of, of that moment in the living room whenever you're having a hard time and go, it's okay. I'm different anyway. I can do this. Those of us that are parents are doing our level best to be the best we can. So go easy on yourself, guys. All right? Don't let somebody attacking the thing that's so important to you make you fall apart and question yourself. Just get comfortable, make a next decision, and try to make it a good one. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. Thank you for being here. Otherwise, I would just be jabbering on to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.